My name is Tom Mariano, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. On Shriver. Snyder with scores. Now Cadell scores. Hands off for Rabel. Switches hands and scores. Kylie O'Miller showing off those shifty skills. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson. Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk, the voice of Pro Lacrosse. I'm Hutton. He's Adam. Together, we're bringing you interviews with your favorite players and coaches, as well as news from all four professional lacrosse leagues. We're here with Tom Mariano, head coach of the Chesapeake Bayhawks in the MLL. Uh, coach Mariano was recently named the head coach of the Bayhawks in 2019, uh, and he will be taking over for Dave Cottle this coming season. Coach Mariano, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me on. Appreciate you taking the time. No, absolutely, we're looking forward to kind of talking about, um, you know, your pro coaching career as well as your college coaching career with Sacred Heart and now Pace, um, as well as a little bit about your playing career too at Nazareth. So uh, before we get started, though, let's kind of go. Where did you first pick up a stick, and when did you first get introduced to the game of lacrosse? Going back to my sophomore year, previous to that, I was living on the West Coast with my mother, and I moved back to New York, into Austin, New York, and on the street, I grew up Ferris Place. You know, all the guys there were playing lacrosse, so it was really, before that, I was a baseball player. Okay. That was kind of, that was the first time I really seen a lacrosse stick and picked it up, and honestly, the reason I picked lacrosse over baseball is... I was a pretty good baseball player, and my last game in kind of junior high at West Coast Systems a little different. Mm-hmm. I'd actually gotten hit in the face and knocked my two front teeth out with a baseball Ooh. from a, a crappy relay from the shortstop. We threw it right into the dirt, into a rock, and it knocked my teeth out. Jeez. And I couldn't go back to baseball. I was a little gun shy. Mm-hmm. So have, having that helmet on was a nice little plus for me. Mm-hmm. Plus the fact that all my friends were playing lacrosse. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once I started playing it, and kind of at that point, our attitude was you can hit people with your body and your stick, sign me up. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's great. And then you eventually found your way to Nazareth College, and you were part of that 1992 NCAA Division Three Men's Lacrosse National Championship team. Uh, what was it like playing at Nazareth? I, I mean, Naz was a special, it still is a special place. You know, I think you look at how connected the alumni are, you know, they mm-hmm. just did like a podcast on the history of Naz and you know, you look at the support and the, the facilities now, they're re- are ridiculous. I look at, I look back at how many like great players I played with. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we maybe had 32 guys and every one of them was a good lacrosse player. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would put that team up with a lot of teams that played college lacrosse, especially division three of just, you know, talent, athleticism, compete, you know, teamwork. We had a great coaching staff. I mean, it was just a blast playing there, mm-hmm. and you know, I think to be the first team to ever beat Hobart, you know, they were in a thirteen-year run in Division Three playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was it, you know an unbelievable feeling. And then you know, my junior senior year, we lost in the semifinals to Hobart in tough games, which was you know pretty awful. But it's just, I think, at that point, and still is a special place to play. No, yeah, for sure. And then you eventually got into coaching after that. Uh, tell us how you first got into coaching and found your way eventually to Sacred Heart. Well, I think it, it, when I first you know, got into this, the reality was I, after I graduated, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do, like mm-hmm. a lot of guys in their senior year. So uh, you know, at that point, I was ready to go into the Marines and was enrolling into the Marines. And one of my college teammates, Terry Getz, is from Rome, New York. And two of his, like, real best friends played at Marist College. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they needed a head coach. And basically, I was like, are you guys joking? You know, I'm 23 years old. I just graduated. 
college. Like, they mm -hmm. don't need me. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, the job's paying $4,000 part-time. We told the AD we should hire you. So I basically interviewed at, at Marist College and graduated in May. was a Division One head coach in September, which I don't think anybody will ever beat that as the youngest Division One head <laughs> yeah. coach ever. So I was at Marist for two years. You know, I had some great players, had a great experience. And then actually Rob Randall was the head coach at Sacred Heart. and He was my defensive coordinator my sophomore year when we won the national championship. Mm -hmm. he, he was leaving Sacred Heart, and he called me one day and said, hey, you interested in the job? And I said, well, what's the deal? He's like, it's full-time. They'll pay you twenty-two grand in benefits. And at that point, I was like, wow, I was making $4,000 part-time. Now I'm making twenty-two. I'm moving up in the world. Yeah, yeah. And then, I, you know, 17 years there, we, you know, we had good, we had bad. Ups mm -hmm. and downs. I had a lot of really you know, good times. A lot more good than bad, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. And now you're at yeah. Pace University. And uh, how's it been, you know, being at, at Pace? Um, and, you know, how disappointing was it, you know, to have this season cut short in this uh, spring? You know, I think if you would ask me that question about the season, you know, the first week or two, mm -hmm. honestly, probably the first week, first few days, first week or two. You know, I think as coaches and players, we all felt terrible and awful. And then you realize that this pandemic, how serious it was. Mm -hmm. You know, so sitting here now, you know, it's still because of my seniors and the, the close-knit of this team. And, you know, that's a pain that's not going to go away and, mm -hmm. and, a, and a loss that you have. But the reality is there's so many more awful things and situations. Even players on my teams are dealing with the family members with coronavirus mm -hmm. and you know, I feel like a lot of us in the Northeast know someone who's dealing with it or has mm -hmm. passed away. You know, a, sen a, a senior year, it sucks you lose it. It sucks we didn't have a season. But, the, you know, there's so many other terrible things going on right now. Mm -hmm. You know, I, put, I think it put it in perspective, and it's something that we've got to continue to move forward, and we're doing that. And we're fortunate that the majority of our seniors want to come back and mm -hmm. hopefully will be back mm -hmm. so we can kind of get another shot at this. Mm -hmm. But we've got to get get through this pandemic and get on the other side of this. And, no, absolutely, you know. yeah. No, it's 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 really a shame. But you know, it, you put it really correctly with how there, you know, there's bigger things, um, and we got to put it in perspective. But uh, you know, on some brighter news, you know, uh, you're now the head coach of the BayHawks. But before we get into that, I, I want to kind of talk about you know how you got into the pro ranks a little bit. I think you got your start at Ohio, with the Ohio Machine in 2013, and you were there for a few years. Um. But how did you, you know, get coaching in the pros? Well, in 2013, I wasn't working at Sacred Heart at that point in that summer. And Bear Davis, who's a good friend of mine, mm -hmm. really close friend, and, you know, great coach, good man. We had lots of battles between Robert Morris and Sacred Heart. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we definitely won more, even though he, he had the <laughs> biggest win. But I had, we had more wins than losses versus them, but he had the biggest one. So I was like, they rubbed that in on mm -hmm. both of us. You know, he had taken over, you know, taken over and was going to the Howe machine. And, you know, I think he ran out of options and he called me up one day and said, we're not going to pay you much. You want to give this a shot in the pro ranks? And at that point, I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with mm -hmm. myself. You know, I was burnt out from the college game. And I wasn't sure I wanted where I wanted to go with this. Mm-hmm. And he gave me the opportunity, you know, John Algy as well, who was the president at that time, you know, gave both Baron and Bear gave me the opportunity and I've loved every second of it. Mm -hmm. you know, we had such a great ride in Ohio, had, you know, tremendous players and men who, you know, 
once we came in, they listened right away and were intent and bought into what we were trying to do. And, you know, that eventually paid off for them. I wasn't part of the final payoff. But mm-hmm. we really, you know, went from one of the worst teams to one of the best teams in the league. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, the turnaround is amazing. And we talked to Bear Davis a little bit about it. And, yeah, it's just it's great what the, the culture that he was able to kind of create. And kind of wherever he's gone, he's kind of had to either start a new program from scratch or kind of turn it around. And, and you know, it's amazing. And, you know, you, even though you weren't with them in the 2016 championship and 2017 championship where they won, you know, I'm sure uh, the effects of your presence were probably felt. Um, but the reason you weren't, was you were you spent a t- some time with the Bayhawks as an assistant, and then eventually you were named head coach and GM of the Florida Launch in 2017, and you led that team to its first postseason appearance. Uh, talk to me about that season. I mean, it was kind of the same thing. I think, you know, Bear and I, the reason we're close, we're very similar in our philosophies and attitude. Even though we have different approaches to the game, mm-hmm. we're very similar in how we look at this in terms of it's not just about playing, it's all-encompassing, it's – a to Z, it's on the field, it's off the field, it's doing this the right way, you know, communication, helping each other, being honest, being truthful, being loyal to each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, when you go through this and you do this long enough, the great thing about experience is you do it the right way, but you've also done it the wrong way to learn from things. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, just years of doing this and, and kind of hopefully experience and hopefully some wisdom you've learned, you take it into new situations, and you, you kind of go into them, and you say, here's the book we're going to read. We're going to start on page one, chapter one. Let's read this together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, taking that same mindset, and, and same thing as in Ohio, had some great men who really bought in, were committed to the vision, went to Florida launch with some just tremendous, tremendous leadership, you know, guys like Tucker Durkin. Stephen Brooks, Austin Cow, Karen McCardle, mm-hmm. PT Richie—you know, just men who you know were you know great players, but even better people, guys who were really hungry to try something different. Mm-hmm. And we just approached it different. And you know, once again, kind of part of going from last to to one of the better teams in the league. It, you know, it's an awesome feeling to see that buy-in and have guys on the same. You know, just trying to do the same things, mm-hmm. trying to be on the same, you know, at the pro level, college level, high school level, when you're dealing with elite players, you know, there's a lot of egos involved. There's a lot of selfishness involved, you know, and you need some of that to be a great player. Mm-hmm. You know, the very best players are very aggressive, very confident. Mm-hmm. But it, if it's going past the team, if it's overstepping the team, that's when you have issues. And I just think that 2017 season with the Florida launch, just so many guys, older guys, young guys coming in, really bought in and just had a blast. I mean, we lost, you know, it's funny, we ended up losing Ohio in the semifinals. Mm-hmm. You know, we sat in the locker room for like two hours after the game because nobody wanted the season to end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just a you know, great feeling to have started that journey together. And they basically looked at me like, all right, we'll trust you, coach. We'll give you a shot. Mm-hmm. And then when, they, when it was done, you know, the men in that locker room didn't want to leave. Mm-hmm. They didn't want that to end. Mm-hmm. No, that's great. And, you know, you get another uh, crack at being a professional head coach now with the Bayhawks. Uh, talk to me, though, about, you know, rejoining the Bayhawks organization uh, last summer. You know, you're part of that championship run, and now, you know, being at the helm. You know, I think it was a situation where, you know, when the Florida launch disappeared, you know, Coach Cotto is a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've had a strong relationship for decades, and, 
obviously in the pro game, we spent a lot of we spent a lot of time talking about the pro game and player personnel and mm-hmm. situations and rules and games and scouting, just everything. And kind of towards the end, where we just weren't sure what was going to happen. You know, Coach Cotto was looking for an assistant, and it just happened to be the timing was right that I didn't have a job anymore because the Florida launch mm-hmm. was gone. Mm-hmm. The Chesapeake Bayhawks needed an assistant. You know, thankfully, Coach Cotto and BK were supportive to bring me back. Mm-hmm. And it was just a great run. You know, great, great coaching staff, great players. You know, I was a very small part of it. You know, I think it, we really took some steps because the players did a great job and played for each other. And, you know, it was just a, a feeling, you know, winning the championship at any level. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, for sure. And then, you know, Chris Burdick, your uh, assistant with um, your offensive coordinator with Florida, um, you know, he, he joined you guys too with that Bayhawks run. And now he's going to be your defensive coordinator with Chesapeake. Uh, how has he really helped, you know, be your right-hand man kind of when you were with Florida and now, you know, going into the season with the Bayhawks, you know, how, how important is his presence? Well, I think, you know, Chris is a, another coach that, you know, he used to be the head coach of Providence. I was a Sacred Heart. We had all kinds of battles back in the day. Mm-hmm. So we have a relationship that, you know, is through the decades of, you know, knowing each other and spending time in a recruiting trail and, and, you know, socially and hanging out and getting to know each other and, you know, developed a great relationship and he was in florida at the time that i got to the florida launch you know he jumped right in you know chris is one of the best coaches there is detail orientated meticulous you know i think because he's been a head coach for so long he you know he's a a great resource to bounce ideas off Mm -hmm. but also he's one of the few guys that can trans- transition from head coach to assistant coach and not overstep his boundaries. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for example, I'm not great at it, and I wasn't necessarily great at it last year. It's not an easy thing to do when you've been a head coach for lo- so long to become an assistant. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Coach Burdick is phenomenal at that. So we, you know, we got, you know, unfortunately, you know, Coach Cotto's mother passed away before our game one last year, and he wasn't able to make the game. So we were short some coaching staff, and you know, it was just a coincidence that Chris happened to be in Dallas for a recruiting event while we were mm-hmm. playing Dallas. So we brought him out, and, and you know, the players really liked him. They got to see how good a coach he is, and you know, he you know stuck around with us and really was a big key to helping win that championship with the job he did with the defense. You know, the best defense in the league. Mm-hmm. Obviously, very talented, great players, but I think he, you know, every week had the right game plan, the right attitude made the right adjustments in-game. And I think the one thing that he does, and he's learned it over time, you know, the pro game, it's a little bit different. You have to adjust much quicker than you do in the college game. Mm-hmm. But you've got to translate it to a bunch of different players. with both, You know, they've all been taught different ways, different backgrounds, different viewpoints. You know, I think translating the game plan and the scout report to the players is key at the professional level. Mm-hmm. And Chris is as good as there is at doing that. So I'm excited to have him back with us and kind of continue our run together at the professional level, which has been pretty good. No, that's awesome. And let's talk about this roster a little bit. You guys don't lose too many big pieces. Uh, you know, you lost a few on defense, but um, overall, you know, most of the same group is, is coming back, and you add some guys like, you know, Callum Crawford, who hasn't had too much uh, success, I guess you could say, in the field game, but has a lot of success in the indoor game and is obviously a really talented player. Talk about, like, you know, adding a guy like him, um, and just what you like from this roster uh, heading into 2020. 
Well, I think, you know, the unique thing about teams and sports and, you know, let's say pro lacrosse, college lacrosse, but, you know, obviously specifically the Bayhawks and the MLL, you know, every year is a new team. Mm-hmm. It's a, kind of a new vision, a, a new philosophy, a new flavor. It takes on its own identity. You know, so this group's going to have to be different. Obviously, you know, losing a Jesse is tremendous and mm-hmm. that hurts. But there's going to be other guys. There's always other guys to step up and fill roles. Mm-hmm. So you know, I'm always excited about that. That's part of why I love coaching, just that development of the team and the identity. You know, you look at you know a player like Callum Crawford, who's you know we did like a Zoom call, and you know just his veteran presence and the way he spoke to the players and talked on the call. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a professional lacrosse player. Mm-hmm. He's been yep. doing this for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think part of the problem is a lot of these box guys, you know, they get like one or, one or two small opportunities at the pro field level, and mm-hmm. if they have success, they stick around. If they have one bad quarter, one bad game just with the way the numbers are, mm-hmm. a lot of times they don't get that second chance. Mm-hmm. And I just look at, you know, Callum's size, his stick skills, his ability to get to the goal, his ability to score. It's like, you know, you score that many goals in box, you can play lacrosse. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. No, I mean, he, he led, and he, and, led and the and league in scoring. Some, he's, he's had some success in the field. Mm-hmm. It's just hard, you know. Mm-hmm. It's hard to sustain it. They just a lot of the box guys come down and they get one or two shots and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, and I, I think if you look at so when I said you know he didn't have that much success, it was more just he you know didn't play that much because I think in the five games he was with the Outlaws he had fourteen points, which you know is a phenomenal production for such a small sample size. Um. So yeah, no, I, I'm looking forward to seeing you know him back on on the field and um you know the the rest of this group kind of come together and especially his relationship you know with rookie Andrew Q. Uh, who's you know going to be entering his second year, um, you know, in the field game? Uh, I th- think is is exciting as well. Just the relationship him and you know Colton Watkinson have probably developed, you know, on the Black Wolves is is exciting. Um, but I want to move on to a little bit too with this draft coming up on May fourth. Um, you know, how are you preparing for the twenty twenty MLL draft, and uh, what needs are you kind of looking to address? If you can give us a little insight on that. You know, I think this is obviously, I've been doing drafts since 2013. This is probably the most interesting one. Mm -hmm. Because right now we're trying to navigate, you know, who's going back, who's staying. Mm -hmm. You know, some of these guys want to go back, but they're not sure where they're going to go back. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's throwing some wrinkles into this. So, you know, every year I try to kick under every stone, this year especially. Mm-hmm. I think the good, you know, the goal in every draft is, you know, plain and simple. Add players who can make you better that help you compete for a championship. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to look for the best available that fit the team dynamic, that guys, you know, guys will come in and fit into the locker room. You know, similar to what everybody else, I think, you know, we've got a, a good group of men in our locker room, guys who are, you know, the vets like the Matt Abbott, the CJ Costables, IDA, I mean, they're just, they're grown men. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they've, they're professionals. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, so I think for us, it's like finding guys that can help us compete and, you know, win a championship. And obviously, you've got to create depth. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be guys who maybe can't play a game here and there. You need that depth. In a perfect world, I could, I'd like to find one or two impact guys who can help us, mm-hmm. you know, and step in and, if they beat somebody else that was on the team last year, then that means we just got better. Nope. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, Coach, that kind of wraps up our main questions. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here, word from our sponsors, and then we'll go into our 5 and 5 segment. 
Today, I also want to talk to you about Phoenix Supplements. I started using Phoenix Supplements after searching for a supplement brand that didn't use any unnecessary additives. Phoenix's line of supplements use only the required ingredients and is free of any fillers that many supplement companies use. Not only that, but their supplements are produced here in the U.S. in an FDA-regulated facility, and the best part is they taste really good. I personally like using the Orange Dreamsicle Protein Blend in the morning, and I use their Chocolate Whey following workouts. So if you're interested in trying Phoenix Supplements, visit their website, fnxfit.com, and use the code PROLACROSS to receive 15% off your order today. All right, so welcome back, and now it's time for our 5 and 5 segment. So I'll start off with the lacrosse questions. Uh, my first one is, what are some pregame superstitions or routines that you have, and kind of what are some old ones that maybe you ditched along the way? Uh, that's, that's a good one. You know, I think, uh, you know, as a player, you had to get yourself mentally, you know, ready to play. So I always like to, as a player, sit in the corner of a locker room, you know, with headphones on with the loudest music possible in mm-hmm. the dark and not be bothered by anybody. Mm-hmm. And obviously as a coach, you know, you're dealing with a lot more than yourself. You're dealing with the team, you're dealing with staff members. So I think for me, coaching-wise, the rituals go out the door. I mean, really, my only ritual would be, uh, you know, if we win and, and I'm wearing a certain outfit, I'll continue to wear that outfit. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Uh, number two, what has been your favorite venue to coach lacrosse at? It can be more than one. Wow, that's, that is a loaded question. Yes. <laughs> I think there's, there's so many unique places in the game. You know, for me, obviously, you know, Navy, I think, is just a phenomenal place. You walk in and you see the history, and it, it's almost breathtaking mm-hmm. see the history in Navy Marine Corps Stadium. You know, playing, the, you know, Denver Maha Stadium is a treat. And I think, you know, playing a game at UMass in college is, is I think, one of the cooler places to play. Okay, awesome. Next one is, who is a coach that you've leaned on as a mentor during your career? Well, I think for me, I've been a college coach for 26 years. I've only been a head coach in college. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think mentor-wise, you know, the last 10 years, you know, Dave Cottle, mm-hmm. he's become, you know, a, a huge influence in my life and in my career and a, a big mentor. You know, I think he would be the biggest one, is, you know, a guy who's had a lot of success and has a lot of wisdom. So I would say he's been, become my main mentor as a coach. Awesome. And then uh, another one I have is what team that you've coached, you know, can be a year in college or it can even be a pro team, but um, are you kind of most proud of, you know, what group of guys, you know, and again, this is kind of a loaded question as well, because you've probably been a part of a lot of great teams, but what's one that, you know, you really were really proud of how the group came together uh, for a season? You know, I think for me, probably the, the, you know, you don't try to judge this on kind of how you did wins and losses, but mm-hmm. I think, you know, a lot of times it, it's the feel good about it. I think for me, 2017 was a special year. Mm-hmm. You know, Pace, Pace made the NCAA tournament for the first time. It's the first time I made it as a coach, you know, just to see the feeling and, and look in their eyes. And then, honestly, I, I saw the same thing with the pro guys, with mm-hmm. the Florida Washington 2017. So that really was such a special year. You know, having success and having two great teams at the you know the college and the pro level was a pretty amazing year. No, that's awesome. And then my final one for the lacrosse related is, uh, which team or which coach I guess you're looking forward to matching up uh, against this summer? I mean, you know, you you obviously have a lot of talented coaches in the MLL you're going to be facing, but is there any particular matchup you're kind of looking forward to? You know, I think 
probably because he's the one I talk to the most, and we pretty much talk to daily. And I think, you know, we're excited about the rivalry because it's now back. You know, mm-hmm. Spencer Ford in the Philadelphia Barrage. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, I, I think, you know, that was a huge rivalry. And I think anytime you get kind of that 95 corridor, you know, Maryland, Philly, mm-hmm. you know, there's going to be some some fun in those games. And that's going to be an exciting time and you're looking forward to being part of that. No, absolutely. It's funny. So uh, Adam, who couldn't be on today, is a big Philly guy. He's from the Philadelphia area, so he's a Barrage fan. Uh, he's ecstatic to have them back. And then I grew up in the D.C. metro area, so I've always been kind of a Bayhawks fan. Um, so we're looking forward to um, you know that matchup for sure um, in both you know Annapolis and then in Philadelphia. Um, so it's kind of funny that now he got his Philadelphia guys back. Um, we can kind of have that, that inner rivalry yeah. as well, so yeah, we're excited. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but that wraps up the lacrosse questions. Now for the off-the-field questions. Uh, the first one I'll ask is, you know, when you're in Annapolis, uh, you know, for games or whatever, where's your favorite spot to go? You know, Annapolis is a phenomenal town. Mm-hmm. One, it's a, such a big lacrosse town, but kind of the social scene's tremendous. The food scene, food scene is excellent. You know, I think I like Dock Street. Okay. You know, yeah. for, kind of, for kind of bar food. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, that's a tremendous place. You know, Brian Phipps turned me on to that a long time ago. And, uh, you know, you can't go wrong with anything that goes on in Dock Street. Awesome. And kind of leading into that, uh, what's your favorite meal? And do you prefer to dine out, take out, or cook at home? Well, now that question is pre-pandemic, during pandemic, post-pandemic. <laughs> yeah, for real, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think pre-pandemic, you know, love going out, love, you know, love... You know, spending some time with my wife or friends. You know, I think up here where I'm at in Connecticut, you know, love going out to like Avazi's down in Annapolis. You know, you know, so many great places to go out. You mm-hmm. know, obviously during the pandemic, we're doing a lot of takeout. Yeah, that makes sense. Post-pandemic, I'm excited to go anywhere where you can go sit and actually see somebody else. and you know, Not even sitting there, but just to see other people. No, absolutely. I'm looking forward to that as well. You know, Not that I don't like good home cooking, but it, it will be nice to finally get out once that happens. Um, going off of that, uh, what is your favorite sport to watch that's not lacrosse? I rank it by college lacrosse, pro lacrosse, indoor lacrosse. Those would <laughs> be my favorite other sport. All right, I love it. Cross rat at heart for sure. Um, and then the next one is what are some hobbies or activities you enjoy doing when you're not coaching? You know, obviously your your time is mostly spent coaching, but what are some activities that you enjoy doing when you're not? Honestly, when I'm not coaching, which is most of the weekends and most of the time during the year between college and pros, I'm spending as much time as I can with family. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, you know, you hate to say it, but you know, that has become my hobby and, my life and what I, you know, what I want to be great at. I don't necessarily want to be great as a coach. You want to be the best coach you can be, but I want to make sure I'm being a great father, a great husband, you know, doing everything I can to make their lives the best they can be. No, I love that. That's great. Um, that's, that's awesome. Do you, how, how many kids do you have at home? Three. Three. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. Uh, and then my final question is, what's a book on your bookshelf that you've read or reading right now, or even it could be, you know, a podcast that you listen to that you'd recommend to, you know, a colleague or a friend. You know, I think book right now, 
podcast. Honestly, podcast. I, I love like the Jamie Monroe type podcast. Mm-hmm, yep. Talking to coaches, you know, just kind of hearing different philosophies, you know, visions. Like I love those. Anything where you can learn, you can sharpen your sword. Mm-hmm. Your sword, I love. Uh, you know, probably the book that I'm trying to get through right now, which I'm struggling with, is Grit by Angela Duckworth. Oh, that's a good one. I just got to find, you know, with those pandemic and nothing to do, I feel like I have a million things to do. So every time I go to sit down and read, something pops up. Yeah, no, I, I get that <laughs> for sure. Um, that's a great recommendation. I, I, I really like that book. Um, I hadn't read it in a while, but uh, um, that might be a good one for me to pick up again and just kind of, there's so many good like lessons from it. Um, so I'll have to check that one out again. Um, but my final question, uh, that wraps up our five and five, but a final question we like to end on with all our guests is what is some advice that you have for a young player or even a young coach that's looking to one day play or coach lacrosse professionally? Uh, you know, that's a great question. You know, I think it's funny. I just asked my college team, what advice would you give to your younger self? And there was an interesting range of questions from mm-hmm. college kind of men that they would say to themselves as a young man. I think for me, you know, that general broad-based, you know, conversation to, you know, anyone who's looking to get into coaching or even to to move on to college to play or move on to the pros, I think, you know, the biggest thing is be a great teammate, you know, care about the guys around you, care about how you do things, you know, be the best version of yourself in everything you do. I think that's what I see throughout the years, just, you know, coaches, players not being the best version of themselves and constantly trying to change it every single day so that you, you are becoming the best version of yourself in everything you do. And I think if you can do that, you're going to have success. No, that's awesome. I think that's some really good advice uh, for, you know, a player or a coach. And, um, you know, I think it's important, important to remember. But uh, Coach Mariano, this has been great. We appreciate you joining us. Um, you know, on the podcast. Um, we want to wish you best of luck in the draft coming up and with the Bayhawks going forward. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, we got to make sure we get you a jersey at some point. Oh, that would be awesome. I would love that. Thank you, Coach. Today, I also want to talk to you about our affiliate Parkside Cards. Parkside Cards is your go-to source for Major League Lacrosse trading cards. They have a variety of packs on their website, including a box set that comes with four tickets to an MLL game, a Lyle Thompson signature pack that comes with a limited edition signed Lyle Thompson card. The best part is we've teamed up with Parkside Cards to provide you with a special discount. Simply visit parksidecards.com and use the code PLT to save 20% on your order today.